Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. In this episode of Grapeseed Friends, we have Matthew Green, a head teacher at a big school in Tokyo, Japan. I've had the pleasure of working with Matthew in the past as his coach, although to be terribly honest, he didn't need much of anything from me in the way of assistance. He is a many-year Grapeseed veteran, and I am excited to finally have him on the podcast. So welcome, Matthew. Hey, Adam. It has been a while. A long while. Yeah. Yeah, you say I didn't need much uh, assistance, but don't discount the impact that you had on our school while you were here as our trainer. It was definitely something that's really built our foundation as we've gone forward. Well, thank you. But and to propagate these good vibes here, I will I will tell a quick story about Matthew on the podcast. It, he doesn't know that I'm going to tell this story, and oh, he might okay. not even remember this. <laughs> he might not even rem- remember this, but. There was one class I observed of Matthew where he was telling a story. I think it was in the high teens or early 20s. And Matthew, you had the story memorized so well that you didn't even look at the card at all. You pointed to every picture (laughs) on every page completely accurately without even looking at it. And I just was watching from the back of the room, just dumbfounded, like, how, how is this even possible? So that's that's why that's my quick Matthew story to to give you some cred before we start this podcast. Well, thank you very much. I <laughs> really did try, especially early on, to kind of remember everything about all those materials and kind of where I should be pointing for accurate information conveyance and whatnot. Well, it was um, great. But let's get started with this interview here, and we'll start with some general yeah. information about your school. How many kids and grape seed teachers do you have now? I remember it was already a ton a few years ago. So it's huge. Um, in the kindergarten itself, we have about 700 students. Um, not all of them are grapeseed students, of course, and we do start grapeseed from four years old. But in kindergarten, we have about 350 students doing grapeseed. Wow. And then from there, in the graduates in elementary and up, we have about 450 more students doing grapeseed. Oof. So what about teachers. Teachers, we have 17 grapeseed teachers. Um, <laughs> some of them are full-time, some of them are part-time. And you probably remember a couple of them. Uh, but I think most of them, since you were here, are new teachers. Yep. The turnover, it's always it's always a thing. Plus, it has been it's been quite a while. But it's been all of oh what, sorry, four or five it. years, maybe <laughs> since you were around. Yep. Uh yeah, the the wrinkles on my face are confirming confirming that time frame <laughs> <laughs> all that obviously sounds really challenging to coordinate but when you started things weren't quite that big off the top of your head do you remember how many grapeseed teachers you had when you were there at the beginning so i joined the school in our third year of doing grapeseed and the school adopted grapeseed in its alpha stage and the year before I joined, they had two full-time grapeseed teachers and one part-time teacher. Then the year I joined, that went up to three full-time plus one part-time. So um, three to 17, quite quite a jump, quite a jump. Yeah, I've looked at the number of classes we had. So in the first year that we started, it was seven. Um, but that did also include both the four, four five-year-olds and five, six-year-olds. Mm. They all started around like, that same unit one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was very different back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but now you are a, a head teacher and you're, you're in the head teacher role at your school. So that transformation mm-hmm. from being a grapeseed teacher into this head teacher role, how was that transition? It was probably pretty bumpy, I guess. Like I initially worked at our school through a dispatch company and the program was just growing and the school decided that they wanted to hire some teachers themselves and it wasn't working too well. Like there wasn't a good connection between the dispatch company teachers who had been doing it for a while. And then the teachers that they kind of hired on themselves as well as like some of the part-time teachers. And there wasn't a lot of communication between all these groups of teachers that we had. And I really kind of wanted to see like a cohesive goal for where we were going with the program and making sure that everybody was on the same page with how we were teaching so that you didn't take over a class and have like a bunch of students that really needed better input than they'd been getting. So I did actually switch to a direct hire maybe five years ago now. And I also started hiring for the school at that stage too, and more or less fell into management because I was doing that was, yeah, kind of just like I had that sort of drive to see things going better. And yeah, it's difficult, I guess, like, cause I'm not naturally a manager. I don't think it was much more, I'm a teacher and I really want this to be the best possible program for our students. And now I also have to learn how to manage staff and their schedules and days on and days off and all this other stuff and how that communication between the office and the staff goes. Uh, It's a lot and it's quite challenging and there was like bumps along the way. But I think uh, we're at a stage now where I've definitely learned how to be a manager and things are going smoother. And uh, I believe our program has really just become huge and is working really well. I think that's kind of the best case scenario when you might not have necessarily managerial skills to start out with, but the desire and your goals and motivation are for the greater good of the school and of the Mm. students. As long as you keep that kind of as your driving force, then all those other things will come along, but it's just better than the opposite of having the managerial skills, but not necessarily caring about how the school works. So definitely definitely your way is the better way. Mm. Yeah. Like at first I felt, I felt like I did hiring well, like the people that came on, the bosses were really happy with them and they were people that were meant to be teachers basically like that was something that i really uh, looked for in new staff is just somebody that's got a heart for working with children and wants to see them grow and build a skill that they can use for their life and you know just somebody that's also going to want to stick around in japan for a number of years but yeah, it's, it does get challenging along the way. There was a point a few years back where they wrote kind of like a group open letter to me, which, you know, it's hard to kind of receive, I feel like criticism, right? Like I'm sure anybody can feel that way when you get criticism of something you're doing, particularly when you feel like you're doing well with some stuff and then you hear criticism on it. It can be hard to hear that. And I did feel taken aback by it a bit, but I did also really want to take on board what they were saying and sort of get to the root of what are the actual issues here? Like if they feel a certain way about something that I've been doing, where is that, where is the core of that issue lying? So I tried to 
Well, I think I did. Like, I, I took on board a lot of um, changes in what I was doing based on feedback from the staff themselves. And I do still really encourage them to be open and forthcoming with criticisms, like constructive criticisms, of course, and try to hone my managerial skills through that. Lots of mm. challenges, but what was something that was that went a bit more smoothly than you anticipated when you transitioned roles? I feel like the the thing that I'm really passionate and kind of good at is teaching itself, right? So like understanding how language acquisition works and then how to talk to people about like what we need to be doing in the classroom to make sure that the students are learning. So I think what was really good is that I pretty quickly brought that sort of cohesiveness that I'd been wanting of like ideas about teaching and like goals with students and all that sort of stuff that I think we needed amongst our teachers at the time. And yeah, I'm still to this day, very proud of like how that all came together. Excellent. Next question here. I think for a lot of grapeseed teachers, they might look at their school management and not quite understand what they actually do. So for you, can you share a bit about your current role and all the things you're involved in? You mentioned the the hiring and then dealing with people's time off and things like that. But what other things are you involved in? Yeah. So, I mean, this was also just a big thing on that letter I mentioned is that they didn't seem to know some of the stuff that I was doing behind the scenes. And I kind of took on board that I got to be a bit more visible about what I'm actually doing. Otherwise, I just appear like I'm lazy or <laughs> in the background and not doing much, right? But I mean, first of all, I do still teach. I do have classes less than other teachers, but I do still teach grape seed classes, as well as I'm a substitute teacher for anybody that needs it and will teach any class in the program because I know all the units. But yeah, I mean, the main objective is to make sure that all the students are learning. So I have to work with training with teachers. I have to manage their schedules. I have to make sure that they're on the same page as other teachers when it comes to stuff like classroom control and discipline strategies and understanding kind of the reasoning and motivation behind the school's decisions. I'll try and field complaints from teachers to the office um, if there are any. And I also am the main one organizing the events that we do throughout the year as well. So we have several things that we do throughout the year, such as Halloween. Um, we have a big Halloween event. We have a Christmas event, which I've just gotten done uh, playing Santa for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the, you know, oh, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> we brought brought presents around to all our elementary classrooms. And yeah, that was that was a good time. We have some special lessons throughout the year where the teachers will get to kind of share something that they're passionate about, like a talent or some topic of interest that they want to just kind of talk with the kids about. And yeah, I think that's kind of a nice way to keep the kids also involved and excited to be coming to the school year to year. Our Halloween event is huge every time as well. And I absolutely love organizing Halloween. <laughs> busy, busy, long, mm. long road to get to where you've been here. Yeah, one more actually that I thought we do have our graduations um, coming up as well. So that's a new one because we've got students on Unit 40 for the first time. Uh, I have to Ooh. come up with the graduation event for all those students. And this year, as like a gift to them, we wanted to make varsity jackets. 
Oh, so we're getting wow. some custom made varsity jackets with like the school logo and graduate of 2021 on there and stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to have to get some pictures later of that. That's Oh that, yeah. Those are real <laughs> I'll be cool. sure to send some. <laughs> so going back to that journey idea I mentioned, what is something that you wish you knew when you and your school first started on your grapeseed journey? I guess like something that we didn't really know is like where does it all lead, right? Mm. You're starting this path of English with a bunch of kids that begin with zero knowledge of the English language. And there was no, because we had nothing to see of it, there was no student that was on Unit 40 to say like, oh, this is the ability that they can achieve after however many years of grapeseed. And I think knowing what that is and what that looks like is a really good guide for like teachers to understand what you're actually doing when you're teaching English to these kids. Like there's a lot of other programs throughout Japan, throughout the world that teach English where you don't really get to see the full results of the program that you're teaching, right? You might do English for a few years and the student moves on to something else in their life. But because Grapeseed's comprehensive and it goes all the way to fluency, basically, I think it's important to see what that looks like. And then knowing where it is now, the next question is how do we make that better? Like how do we continue to improve our teaching and our use of the grapeseed materials to make sure that the upcoming students are even further ahead of where our current Unit 40 students are. And I mean, keep in mind, like our Unit 40 students at the moment, they started grapeseed in alpha stage and they've gone through every iteration of the program. So yeah, they remember stuff like, oh, sad Pete back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I was Deep talking cut. to yeah some of them the other day about like what songs and things they remember and blue is still in their minds. Like, I think everybody still remembers the blue song. What else? There was, yeah, they remember a lot of the color songs as well, funnily enough. And they are really catchy. So I guess it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Related question here. How have your views on English education changed throughout your experience with Grapeseed? I guess like I've always thought it's an important duty to the students to be giving them a tool that they can use for life. But a lot has changed in my methodology, particularly stuff like how I use classroom management and control, as well as my expectations of the students. And also that like when I'm there in the classroom, it's not just language that I'm teaching. It's like we're also imparting culture and an understanding of the world right to a lot of these students that really don't have an idea of what it's like to live in another country or to interact with people that are different to them particularly in some societies like japan where it's highly homogenous and they don't have that chance to interact with westerners that often right so yeah i think my idea on it has really evolved into be more of like teacher of the world, I guess, <laughs> than just an English language teacher. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. Let's transition here into just more 
your teaching experience and just your your general opinions on Graveseed here. So first question, can you share a story or two about students at your school where they use the language and the components naturally? Yeah, so I got a couple of stories that I can share for this. Recently, there was a boy that's in, at the moment I'm teaching some students on a unit, they've just started unit nine. And one of the students that's in that class has been really struggling with the writers and we'd been using some tactics like having another teacher kind of glue to him and help him through some of it. But I sort of felt like we're not really getting to the root of the problem. And so I had a discussion with his mother and said like, okay, so what's, what's actually going on at home? And is he having trouble like doing regular REP or anything like that? And as it kind of turned out, he wasn't, he was already not doing much REP from um, what we could see in his calendar, but it was also not good quality REP that he'd been having at home. Like he would not be maybe sitting at his book or listening closely. So what I asked of the the mother was to help him to enjoy doing his REP more at home, but also to like get some review in there and maybe just like show him some more of the phonics fun time sections on the videos. So that sort of stuff really sinks in for him. And it was not even just like a couple of weeks after I asked that of her, that in the classroom, we were doing the writers and it was the start of unit nine. So we were doing review of writing the alphabet and like magic, he wrote kind of all of the alphabet letters and was saying all their sounds. And I was just like over the moon by that. And then from that as well, we were doing the shared reading sentence cards and often I'll encourage the students to encourage each other as well. And he is usually really just kind of like stumped on the sentence cards, particularly if I asked him to ever like just read it by himself. But I said, okay, like, here we go. Just try and read this one for me. And he actually got through the sentence slowly and surely, but he did get through it. And like all the other students in the class, knowing kind of what he had been capable of before, they all clapped for him. Wow. And like my heart just like melted man. <laughs> wow. Like this is actually like come through for us. So I was really proud of him. Yeah. I think it really is a story on making sure you understand what's the root causes of any student's problems. Cause you can kind of do patch fixing. Like we were trying to have a teacher just kind of sit with him and work on it, but there was a underlying cause of why um, he was having an issue with it. And I think it's really important for everyone to sort of look at your students close enough to know that like, there's sometimes things there that you can, well, sometimes you can't do things about it, but sometimes you can. And I think this was a case where we were able to help that student to do better with that. There was another thing I wanted to share, if that's all right as well, because I mentioned as well, we've got students on unit uh, 40, uh, but I do have here the creative writing section from a student that's on unit 39. And I wanted to read the story that they wrote at the back of their book. There were a couple that I was choosing from for this. One of them was about an assassin. <laughs> I thought it might be a bit dark for this podcast, but I'll read, <laughs> I'll read this other one that's about a bird named Chocho. There is a bird named Chocho 
It's a bird with a wig. He secretly eats people's hair. He flies very slow and he sometimes talks in Spanish. One day, Chocho was eating a girl's long hair. The hair was so delicious and he was relaxing. Suddenly, some green cream was all over him. The girl was dyeing her hair to green and his body became green too. After that, the hair was cut and he fell off onto the floor. After a few seconds, a man started to vacuum the hair on the floor. Chocho was vacuumed into the hose as well. But the man noticed and helped him to get out. The man said, I'm running a barbershop. Do you want to work with me? I want you to eat customers' hair instead of me vacuuming with a cleaner. Chocho thought it was a dream. Every person he'd met before was mean. They all said eating hair was disgusting and didn't want to be with him. But the man Chocho met this time was kind. He always says, everyone is different. From that day, Chocho, with his green body, started to work with the man in the barbershop. Wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, something that <laughs> I always love to read their stories at the backs of the books. Well, that goes back to what you're talking about before about seeing where grape seed goes eventually. So teachers, mm -hmm. maybe now who are listening to this podcast, maybe their school just started this year and they're on what, unit three or so now. They listen and they're like, okay, we just started writing. Where is this going to go? And then mm -hmm. you get to unit 39 and there you go. You get a, a bird named Chocho who likes to eat hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the other one that I didn't read, they used the word immediately in their story. That was literally a word that we'd been working on that week with the other materials. And to see them using that in the story as well is something that I'm just like, yeah, like you can see it's still working in the same way for these kids on unit 39, 40, as it does for students on unit one. Absolutely. You just talked about unit 39 there and students going on to unit 40 and everything. So you've taught pretty much everything in the curriculum at this point. Do you have your own personal favorite unit or component? So kind of like for the sake of singing and telling them like i've always liked the song blue in unit two and i've always liked telling the spider's web in unit four okay but i guess like like in practice i always try and make the unit or material that i'm teaching in that moment my favorite unit oh good idea and i was actually talking to miklos about this uh yesterday that it's kind of analogous to like a carpenter having a favorite chisel because it's got a nice grip, right? Like a material in itself is really just like a tool that you use in the classroom. And the thing that's made from that tool is what you really want to be proud of and want to be focused on in the classroom, right? So like if a carpenter's making something they don't really get sick of their tool exactly right and we could sharpen that tool make it better and through i guess extending that metaphor if we give feedback to grapeseed we can sometimes improve the tools that we have but yeah i guess like for that reason i don't actually get sick of the materials even though i've been teaching them for like going on 10 years it's just because that's just the thing that I use to get this result. And the result is students using language. I, I will say um, one 
tool that I have that I've been really enjoying recently is the partner conversations, which come in at unit 31. And really it's just because it's such a simple thing. You just give the students a piece of paper and it kind of the results just like appear before you. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> They're making their own conversations and they, I, the thing I do with them is just say like, you know, extend your conversation. Don't just stop at the end of the page there. Like keep talking about what you're talking about and yeah, they go for it. It's really nice to see and something that's allowed the students that I teach to in those upper units to accelerate and start building that skill that they can use in everyday life. Excellent. Let's finish here with just general advice. So teachers starting out with Grapeseed, if you are one of those people listening to this podcast, you have a many, many year veteran here as our guest. What advice do you have for these new teachers starting out? So I don't know if it's put into the Grapeseed trainings these days or not, but it was one that I heard on my very first training when I was <laughs> a young man in Osaka. It was to have high expectations of the students and challenge them to meet those expectations. Don't just be satisfied with the simplest answer when you know that they can give you more, right? You want to challenge every student and you want to challenge them on their own levels because no student's the same, but you want to challenge them all to push themselves to meet a higher expectation. And it's also something that I think we should do for ourselves as well. Like as a teacher, have high expectations of yourself and challenge yourself to meet those high expectations too, because I mean, who can't benefit from pushing yourself to do better, right? Another thing I guess I'll say is that it really benefits to take the time to look into the teacher's manuals and read what each component is designed to teach rather than just going with the lesson plans. When you are trying to challenge students to meet certain expectations, it's necessary pretty much to know what those expectations are. When you're using a material and the lesson plan just says, do this, like ask this one question and move on. And if you know that's not going to challenge your students, then you want to know what it is that the material is designed to do so you can challenge them. Excellent. What, what a bunch of perfect answers. I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for any better answers than you've given on this podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on the podcast, Matthew. It was great to have you. Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully I've shared something that's of use to someone out there. And um, <laughs> I hope I can join you again soon. I hope so as well. As always, everyone out there listening, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.